Welcome back to week four of our Luke podcast. I'm Matthew Brown, the lead pastor at Emmanuel. And I'm Ginny Seibel, the formation pastor. So this is our last podcast in this series, exploring the four dominant themes from Luke's gospel. And so far we've looked at Luke's presentation of Jesus as the telos. And then we looked at the centrality of the Holy Spirit in empowering Jesus's life and ministry. And last week we talked about this idea that Jesus came for the poor and the marginalized. So this week, lastly, we're going to look at what it means that Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As a refresher, I just want to read again the text that we're taking these themes from. It's Jesus's declaration of why he's here. He quotes Isaiah 61 uh, while he's in the synagogue in his hometown. And so this is actually from Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is reading the prophet. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes. So what does Jesus mean here by the year of the Lord's favor? What does that actually mean? What he's referring to is something called the year of Jubilee. In Leviticus, a book all about Israelite laws, a truly uh, thrilling read for any of you who haven't read it, a law is given to observe a Sabbath year. Now, the Sabbath year is different from the Jubilee year, but it's important to read about the Sabbath year first. So this is what it says. When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. And then later in Deuteronomy, in reference to the sabbatical year, it says, Every seventh year you shall grant a remission of debts. So along with the rest, a rest for the land and the workers, there is debt forgiveness for all who are in debt in the land. Deuteronomy then goes on to say, If there is anyone among you in need, any member of your community or towns within that land that the Lord your God is giving you, Uh, Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your needy neighbor. neighbor. It goes on to basically say, like, we're going to do things often in life. We are inclined to cheat (laughs) other people, (laughs) especially if we know there's some sort of, like, um, debt remission time coming up. So we want to, like, cheat out those moments. And Deuteronomy is saying, don't do that. Uh, don't, Don't do those things. It says, give liberally and be ungrudging when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor neighbor in your land. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that when Jesus says, um, the poor you will always have with you, he's referencing that verse in Deuteronomy 15, Mm -hmm. that the poor will always be on earth, therefore open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. It's like that's the other side of the acknowledgement. Um, But what does the sabbatical year have to do with the jubilee year? I'm so glad you asked. While the sabbatical year is to be observed every seventh year, the jubilee year is to be observed every 50th year, the year after the seventh sabbatical year cycle. So jubilee is like the epitome of the sabbatical year. All the good things about sabbatical year times seven. In, in, in Hebrew numerology, seven is the perfect number. It's the complete number. Leviticus says, um, you shall hallow the 50th year and shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Um, It'll be a jubilee for you. You shall return every one of you to your property and every one of you to your family. So in the year of jubilee, Hebrew slaves and prisoners are freed. All debts are forgiven. The mercies of God are particularly manifest. 
property is returned to the original owners so that the economy could grow as it does with the rich accumulating. But eventually, all the accumulated land would be returned to the family who owned it originally free of charge, allowing the next generation to start over with their grandparents' lands and begin again over and over again. The chapter talks about not cheating one another, taking care of people who cannot afford to take care of themselves rather than um, purchasing them as slaves. This is essentially a full reboot every generation. And and what this does, um, if we just think about it in sort of terms of of, of contemporary economics, is it, it, it eliminates the generational wealth that creates injustices between classes and races. Mm-hmm. So if you just think about this in very modern American ways, the average median wealth of a black household is $24,000 compared to a white household where the average median wealth, that's like total like assets, savings, the whole thing, $189,000 for white households. So typically a black household has 12.7% of the wealth that a typical white household has, which is uh, about $165,000 less in wealth. Most of us listening, certainly Jenny and me, are recipients of generational wealth that has been passed down to us. Meanwhile, other people in our country, a lot of times along racial lines, fall further and further behind with every generation when we are actually inheriting the wealth that was first built through government subsidies that constructed the middle class after World War II. So you can imagine what would happen if in our own country, which we're not a theocracy, but if we were, um, if every generation got the chance once again to start with the same leg up um, to build a a life for themselves and for their family. So what does Jesus mean when he says he's come to proclaim the year of Jubilee? Basically what he's saying is that his kingdom has come. His reign has been inaugurated in his incarnation and in his kingdom. And in his kingdom, every year is Jubilee year. Hmm. We talk a lot about living in the already and the not yet. And I think that's really helpful in understanding what Jesus is saying here. So because Jesus has not yet returned with this uh, final, you know, consummation of the new heaven and the new earth where all things will be reconciled to him and we will live fully and completely in his will for, for the universe— that's uh, that's the not yet, um, because that's not yet true. We can't live fully into the Jubilee year and all that it means and stands for. But because Jesus has come already, which is why we call it the already, we are tasked as those who are members of his kingdom to live as though it really is the Jubilee year, to learn ways to live into this reality as we are able Firstly, and most practically, I believe, to not cheat, as the Bible, as we read, uh, says over and over again in these passages, to do good business practices, to be generous, to take in and care for rather than just write a check to. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, on a a broader, maybe more uh, societal, you know, scale, it's uh, part of it is to recognize the way that theft is... um, that we've inherited stolen things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of what causes the transfer of assets. So a lot of what Jubilee is accomplishing in the Old Testament law is it is um, righting uh, the inequities of power that made it possible for those with power to take from those without power. Mm-hmm. And this is still true today. I mean, this is true in our own land where at one point white European 
um, settlers swindled native peoples from their ancestral tribal lands. It was true when white colonialists built a thriving economy on the backs of unpaid black labor. Um, now, this isn't to say that you and I, if you buy a house, you're stealing that house from someone and you really should give it back to them. But at the same time, the spirit of Jubilee uh, does acknowledge, and it's something that we have to reckon with and figure out how we can, in our own ways, write it. Um, Jubilee acknowledges that what oftentimes puts me in a position to, for example, buy that house, to haggle a price down, to get a loan, may very likely be due to theft mm -hmm. in one form or another further upstream. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness of debts with Jesus is always about economic injustice. I think that's the most surprising thing to, to a lot of us in the world today. Something mm -hmm. less surprising but equally true and is worth stating here is that um, Jesus is always about spiritual justice, which is for him the forgiveness of sins. Mm. So being people of reconciliation is a huge way that we can live into this idea of the Jubilee year. This means reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other. I've started praying the morning and evening prayer in the Book of Common Prayer as a way to kind of order my prayer life, and it's been really helpful. And in both of those, confession is like the very first thing in, in the prayers. And what happens when we do that kind of thing on a daily basis is we have this sort of daily reconciliation with God initially that totally shifts then the way we can go about in the world and think about God and ourselves and other people. When we start our days with reconciliation, uh, we then can like move in the world mm, in reconciliation. And uh, this upcoming Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness as we're about to enter the season of Lent. So if you want to come to church, we would love for you to come and you can hear a little bit more about what it means to be people uh, of Jubilee in this way and living in forgiveness. So the last thing I want to say about the Jubilee year is that it means hope. Hmm. The year of Jubilee is a year of good news. It is good news for the poor that they will be taken care of ultimately, lifted up, and given back what's theirs. And it is good for the rich in that they will get to experience the joy of giving away and giving back. Um, I say that and it may, may sound a little sarcastic because I don't know how many people who really want to give away their wealth at the end of their lives or even, <laughs> you know, today. Um, but I know the joy of what it is to be a parent or to be a friend and to give of myself in a way that I can't get back. Um, that, is, that is a joyful experience for me, or at least it can be. The joy is on offer to us. I have spent enough time, I believe, in the Gospels to know that we won't recognize Jesus as wealthy people unless we become comfortable with the idea of giving our wealth away and actually doing it in different ways throughout our lives. Jubilee means hope because it is the best case scenario for our world, mm. for our society, and for our souls, ultimately. Jubilee means complete and total reconciliation, economically, socially, with each other, and with God, all of it. We, uh, but mostly I, have been repeatedly joking with our staff since the sermon, the first Luke sermon we did this year, um, that this is not actually the year of Jubilee, um, <laughs> mostly because of how hard actually things have been this year, um, how hard things have been for the last few years, 
but even like in my own personal life, I've been to two funerals um, of young people, uh, tragic deaths, things I shouldn't have had to go to, and, and tragedies these families should not have experienced. And so it does not feel like the, a year of Jubilee. Um, but it's ultimately not a good joke at all, actually, because as a Christian, Jubilee is the word that is written all over your life and my life. It is the reality that you are made for, that you are made to fight for, and that you are made to believe in, that you will ultimately live in, actually. It's where we're all going. It's where we're all headed. So, friends, may you order your life in such a way that you aren't surprised when you enter the kingdom of heaven. May you know deeply the joy and the hope of jubilee in your bones. Peace. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) We can't keep that at the end this time. Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.